Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi folks, welcome to the BIH Show. I'm Craig Anderson. We're back to get some reflection and insight on the five weeks that were the Elite Series. On this week's show, we chat to Nottingham Panthers netminder Jackson Whistle about his club securing the title following their 2-0 series win over the Sheffield Steelers and his role in their success. Coventry Blaze D-man David Clements also joins us to look back on the competition from his club's point of view as he gets excited about his forthcoming trip to Latvia with GB. But my first guest is a man who basically lived it and breathed the Elite Series for the last five weeks, and I don't mean Todd Kilman. He was responsible for a lot of the excellent output on social media throughout April. So, as he finally winds down after a busy few weeks, he's been kind enough to take the time to talk to me about it. It's the Elite League's media manager, Luke Fisher. Luke Fisher joining us on the BIH show. Luke, great to have you on board. I've been trying to get you on for weeks. You've been the busiest man in the Elite League. What's it like now that it's all over? Oh, I don't think I was the busiest. I think there were a couple of others that were equally as busy. Oh, it was, um, it's really, I'm, I'm really glad that we've done it and that it's behind us and, and we've done it, I think, so well as well. Um, Sunday night, I remember walking out of the arena with a huge smile on my face, I think, because it was just like, relief is a wrong word. Is the wrong word but you kind of know like the weight has kind of gone off the shoulders of like doing that every day and um it was a really it was a lot of fun but um you know i'm glad everything's gone to plan as much as possible and that we've we've done it and it doesn't seem like it was five weeks that's the really weird thing as i was leaving nottingham um it didn't seem like i'd been up there for well almost actually almost six weeks when we went into like prepare uh it seems to have gone by very quickly are you able to quantify just how successful it was? I mean, the, the positive um, tweets and messages I've seen on social media regarding it, are you able to, to give an insight into how successful it's been from the other side of it, if you like? I mean, I think it's going to take us a few days to, or even a couple of weeks to kind of digest every every part of that. Like, I know that in terms of social media, 
numbers it's been very very good and engagement's been very very high which is what i i want most of all um but yeah i think you know kind of got to just draw breath a little bit um the uh you know the last players are leaving um the country from the ones that are now leaving the country are going on friday so so as long as we can get all of those successfully out of the country um then i think that definitely is like the big success marker um, in terms of that. And plus we've now handed over, kind of handed over the ones for the GB camp, which is starting soon as well. And I think with regards to them, you know, I think it's definitely successful that everyone is now going off to GB camp match fit by and large, especially a lot more than they would have been without playing these five weeks. And, you know, whatever happens in Riga, we know that across UK hockey, across different organisations, we've given the guys the best possible preparation they can have. And that ultimately was the goal of the series. You know, I think there's been a lot of amazing added bonuses within it, but that was what everyone set out to do at the start. And I think that was definitely what's been achieved. So take me back to the, right at the very start then. How was it all pulled together? We knew the clubs were coming together to do this. From your perspective, from a logical, um, logistical rather um, perspective, how, how did it all get pulled together then? Uh, that's a good question. Um, you know, there was an awful lot of work went into it before we even got to Nottingham. Um, so sort of realistically from the beginning of March when we, we knew we had the green light to do this. Um, I think... Things like Zoom made it an awful lot easier. If you think back to before this pandemic started, no one, none of us had really heard of Zoom. You might try and Skype in or something, but actually having the tools available to do remote conferencing made it quite simple. Obviously we couldn't all meet in person, but I think had we tried to do this 18 months ago, it would have been a lot of kind of individual calls or calls where everyone's dialed in on a phone and things like that. But um, that many, I mean, there were so many different people that were involved in it. And I think that's probably the, the thing that maybe isn't, people don't realize, you know, so you've got the arena, for example. So Donna, who runs the arena and her team were involved with it from the very start, because there are certain thing, criteria that the arena needed to fulfill so, to be certified to host the event by the local health authority. Then you've got uh, Dr. Matt Robbins, the Ice Hockey UK doctor, who did an awful lot of work with our return to play and our coronavirus protocol and sort of setting up a lot of the medical logistics sides, everything we need, you know, itinerary, making an itinerary of everything we need to have in the rink um, and things like that. Then you've got sort of Mike Hicks was doing a lot of the background work for as an eye as well, like for the logistics of how everything's going to work. And then Todd came on board as the tournament director. So he took a lot more of running like the yeah, the background logistics, like the hotel booking, feeding people. I mean, that is probably one of the biggest things with any event that you have to kind of make sure you cover that, you know, everyone has enough meals in the day and it sounds really stupid, but it's a mammoth task that Todd was doing to organize the schedule. So when everyone's got ice in the morning, when are they eating? So, but when they have ice, when does that mean they need to have breakfast? What time do they need to come into the rink? The whole scheduling of that was, was really big. And then in the teams, like, bear in mind, most teams, have been kind of dormant for almost 14 months to suddenly like that you're in you need to get play you, your coaches need to start recruiting players and, and literally getting them in at four or five weeks notice the amount of, of work that goes in there to um you know get all the flights make sure everyone had their pre-departure testing um that anyone that was coming in from abroad was then um you know had all the documentation they needed to come in the ones coming from abroad were then 
isolating unless they were training or playing, how you deal with their meals and things like that. I mean, and that's just before we got there. Like, um, so it really was an incredible amount. I, I'm sure I've missed things off there that, that we had to do it and sort out. And I, as well, I think, you know, with the team owners, had they not gone through the, the process of applying for the, you know, the support from Sport England, you know, that was a very hard, long process very thorough process that they still had to go through make sure everything was fine and then with the budgeting that they submitted to, to keep going back and making sure that everything is approved that was a, a monumental effort of work just to get the green light to know we can do the series so realistically although we maybe started working on it in march this had been going on i mean november the kind of some initial decisions but even before that teams were you know reaching out to at the time DCMS and then Sport England so yeah so much um and that uh, before we even got there and I'm sure I've missed stuff but there, I think what I wanted to kind of get across is how many different people were kind of involved in getting this off the ground and I think it's kind of quite hard to understate just how many people in various different roles there were and of course not only the job that you did and the, those people that you've listed there was the, the volunteers the people that the scorekeepers and such like who I saw your tweet the other day they covered every single game over the period of the last month as well i mean what commitment from, from these people as well oh yeah that that was amazing and that was i mean for the commitment but also for the environment which they need to work in like this was really different um you know not everything that they were used to having kind of had to change because of the corona protocol and to, to the extent that normally most of them just sit together and and we couldn't do that even now so we had to have you know, anyone that was down at ice level was tested. Anyone that was then up in the stands doing the statistics, you could see from the photo, wasn't tested. So to, to kind of even agree to that, to doing that every day, you know, I'm going to put the thing on my tonsils and up my nose every day. It's not pleasant. Um, and so that is, a, is quite a commitment as well. And yeah, it, but those guys were incredible that they followed absolutely everything um we asked of them and, and with the protocol and you know sometimes you think when you're telling people you know it's got to be like this it's going to be different you might meet some kind of resistance because you know it's not how we always do it but we absolutely like fantastic from them no one ever complained or kind of questioned why that they even you know had their own suggestions of things so that we thought of this and they were like yeah that's good but what if we went even further and did that which was so good to have that kind of buy-in as well those guys were, were incredible so i get the feeling you spent a lot of time at the arena and i'm talking from first thing in the morning to, to last thing at night can you is it possible to even talk through what would have been a typical day for you throughout the last month um yes we did spend a lot of time in the arena <laughs> i think most teams had ice um, in the morning and whether that was an obligatory skate or an optional skate depended on had they played the night before when they were playing again and what the coaches wanted but certainly um, in the beginning when we had that first week before games every team was having an hour and a half skate and, and those started around half past nine in the morning um, but before that we needed to be there to let guys in because the whole entry process was very controlled and very um, coordinated you can't have three teams turning up at once you can't have one team trying to get in and one team trying to leave at the same time but you know cross-contamination reasons and, and flows within the building um so so i think by and large you know todd 
uh, Dan Green also from Nottingham was helping and we shouldn't forget him in this as well. Um, you know, they were there probably some days half past seven when the equipment managers wanted to get in to start setting up. And on the days we played, I think we had a curfew at the rink of about half past midnight. Um, and someone was there all the time from the organization. Uh, so we might have swapped over who's there, but it was very early mornings, very late nights. Um, but it all came together. And I think, you know, when you haven't had a great deal to do for the best part of 14 months, you don't really mind too much that you sit in an ice rink for 10 hours before a game's going to even start. It just, um, there was, there were always things to do. We were never bored. I was going to ask that you just touched upon it. The other fact that you know the teams have been sitting idle for fourteen months. It must be must have been like that for you. Obviously, you're based in in Prague most of the time. So, what has the last fourteen months been like for you in your role with the Elite League? Frustrating, I think. Um, you know, I've I've done work in other leagues and before, and to see every other league playing and we're not was really frustrating. Actually, in the beginning. Um, I think when you started to see some of the problems that other leagues were getting into, especially around November time, you do sort of look at it and think, wow, at least that we are not in that situation. Um, and, and we, to be quite honest, we'd learned a lot from looking at other leagues around Europe going through that season. Um, that the biggest takeaway from that was you need to test people every day rather than trying to test them every two weeks with a PCR every week, because every league that ran into problems and it was November time, November, December were really quite dodgy for a lot of leagues around Europe. And most of them run into problems because they were only doing 10 or 14 day testing. Um, and, and that really was something we learned that you just, unless if you test every day, if something happens, you will pick it up. Whereas if you only test every 10 to 14 days, you might not know for nine days, by which point with the guys in such close um, quarters with each other, you know, things are going to, spread um but yeah it wasn't the busiest of uh of 14 months um i think you know it was once we were trying to you know look to start the season on time even with little bits of delays and things but once we were officially not starting the season that was quite you know quite sad and again frustrating when you see other things but you find stuff to do <laughs> um you know complete certain streaming services and stuff like that, but definitely, um, yeah, didn't make me regret having to do this for very long days one bit. Good stuff. And just before we go, I'd like to ask uh, about your, your post-competition reflections, just any highlights from, from your own personal point of view, from what you've seen over the last month, you know, obviously you've been busy with, with working, but I dare say there's some things that have happened that you can, you can reflect on that put a smile on your face. So what are those? mainly all the guys coming in with a smile on their face every day that was noticeably different i think when you go through a season you go through ups and downs and sometimes people you know might not be so happy to turn up at the ring you never know what's going on you know with a team and how they're playing but this tournament everyone was happy to be there every day and i think it kind of people realized that when you go without something for that long you don't take it for granted anymore and the players and the teams were so easy to deal with i think by and large because they just appreciated having having a mini season like no one you know at uh, the end of february no one thought no one even had any inkling that this was going to go ahead and suddenly to be there you know everyone was was great like and that i think is the ultimate takeaway is that knowing that all the work you're putting in is worth it because everyone's enjoying themselves i think there was some great stuff on the ice and 
um, you know, some some younger players really stepped up or or took advantages took advantage of the opportunities that um, were handed to them, um, which was really great to see. Um, but you know, I could list loads of stuff from things that happened on the ice. Um, but just also kind of being there and being within it, some of the stuff that we were able to do, you know, some of the um, things you can kind of try out or, you know, some of the production I thought was like fantastic with the multi-camera angles. The fact that we could set up the review system with like eight different camera angles, like from a, a league point of view was really good because it's a great proof of concept. Sometimes when you say, you know, we want to upgrade the video, people go, well, why? Uh, and this really proved it you know that you can have all the angles and this is why it matters and fine replicating that across 10 arenas might be quite difficult but you can start saying okay but what if we did four or what if we did five and things like that and so i think there are a lot of things now where we've kind of given ourselves a standard that speaks for itself and hopefully are things that we can take forward one last question before we go um there's a lot more positivity now. We're, we're hoping that there's going to be a, a season coming soon. I'm not going to put you on the spot and ask for anything official, but from a personal point of view, how much positivity do you get that we will see a new season back in September? Yeah, I mean, I think everyone is like desperate for having, I mean, fan-wise, everyone is desperate to, to get back into rinks. I think that was the one takeaway from this series was how much people are pumped for having their hockey teams back despite such a long layoff. It is kind of frustrating that it, it's out of our hands um and you, you just need government um decisions to come you know the roadmap is quite clear but you need them to come to give you enough time to start the season like i think every we have to go back to what was said a lot last year of how many weeks you need to try and get a season going and a lot of it's just going to depend on things that are out of our control um but knowing how much the fans were there even fans of teams that were not taking part in this series were just there to have hockey and i think that also goes um for the other leagues you know the the spring cup in the nihl was only with um wasn't with the full number of teams but you could see fans from other teams were just happy to see them back on the ice and i think that's the most positive thing is that everyone is yeah just can't wait for us to i know i've not answered your question but there's very little you know can say when when so much of it isn't within our gift, really. Well, look, thank you so much for your time and thank you so much for everything you did, I'm sure. Um, a lot of people appreciated everything you did in terms of output. I certainly did from a, a media point of view. So thank you so much and enjoy your break. Thank you. Thanks for covering it and thanks everyone for watching. Luke Fisher describing life in the Elite League bubble and working at the Elite Series, and what an amazing job he did too. Guest number two this week is a man with a smile on his face after helping his team, the Nottingham Panthers, clinch the Elite Series title. Statistically, the best goalie in the competition with a save percentage of just under 92% and a goals against average of 2.56 in 515 minutes of action. It's fair to say this man has done well. Here's Nottingham Panthers netminder, Jackson Whistle. So, Jackson, good to have you on the show. What a weekend and what a series. What are your immediate reflections as you look back over the last five weeks? No, it was really good. It was uh, awesome to be a part of. Obviously, um, you know, we won it, so it went well for us kind of thing. Um, but, uh, no, it was great. I was really thankful that the league was able to put this on for us. Uh, it was great for guys like myself to kind of get back playing again and uh, kind of get prepared for the upcoming World Championships. 
We'll talk about the final, obviously. The, the two games against Sheffield Steelers, you know, winning the series by, by two to nothing is absolutely fantastic. And I found it surprising watching that a Sheffield Steelers team who were so good uh, in offence that between you and Bouncy, you managed to, to keep them back. Was there any kind of secret to it? What, was there any work um, paid in particular to the, the guys that we know were, were a threat? No, I mean, obviously, we knew they had a good team, really high offensive team. And you could see that throughout, you know, the course of the series. And I think for ourselves, we kind of, you know, we looked at some of their guys personally, me and Bounsey took a look at the goalie coach, some of their tendencies, that kind of stuff that they did on kind of the rush and on offense. But I just think our team, we played really well. I thought the team uh, played an awesome two game, awesome four games really in the playoffs. And we kind of stepped up and played a full team game. We kind of got better as the tournament went on. And I think it obviously paid off in the end. And of course, you were working with a, a group of a lot of new D men as well, not to mention one or two of the, the sort of older guys that you've worked with before. So, what was it like sort of, for, in terms of the, the team dynamic, in terms of gelling as the tournament went on? Did you feel that familiarity as, as the weeks went on? Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, obviously, day one, you get in there, you don't know a ton of guys. And then uh, we literally hung out every single day for five weeks, uh, all day together, obviously, between the rink and going back to the hotel. and not really with anything open or much to do at the time. You know, you're hanging out in the meeting room with guys. So you just bonded as it went on. And we didn't really have a whole lot of practice time uh, at the beginning either. So I think you just kind of did it live in the games and kind of got better as it went on. I'm keen to know about the dynamic between you and Bouncy. Of course, both of you have worked together in the national team. Um, you've, you've got that thing where obviously Bouncy's the more sort of experienced player. You're still, if I dare say, the, the more up-and-coming sort of player. So how was the dynamic between you two? during this tournament, given that you're both vying for, for GB spots and, and hopefully a start in that first game? Yeah, no, obviously it was good. I mean, we're uh, we're good buddies at the end of the day and uh, we're friends first. And, but I know, obviously, as a goalie, you both want to play and only one of you can play. So I know um, we're just battling every single day, you know, in practice, working as hard as we can. And then when you get your chance to play, trying to play well. And for myself personally, obviously, he's been the kind of the, the GB guy for the last, say, three, four years. He's done a great job with the team and played really well. So I'm just pushing him to try and get in there and to try and get some starts. What about the, the final in terms of the two games? You started the game on Saturday. Bouncy started on Sunday. Was that always the plan or did Tim Wallace kind of leave it to the last minute to tell you who was going to be playing? What was the, what was the plan behind that? Uh, I'm not – I don't really know, to be honest with you. I think on uh, – on Friday, it was there. He said to both of us, basically going into the weekend, wish you're going to play Saturday, Bounds, you're going to play Sunday. So we kind of knew it right off the bat. Um, that was the plan going in. Obviously, for myself, I would have loved to have played that Sunday game. Um, but I think he was kind of looking at it more, uh, you know, if we were to play a game on Monday, having somebody fresh as opposed to trying to play, I guess, all the games in a row. And of course, come back to the semi-final, you got the only shutout of the competition. Um, that's something you must be very proud of, that victory against Coventry, which really set things up for the rest of the tournament. How does that feel? No, I felt good, obviously. I think, um, you know, kind of when you get a shutout, it really is a team effort. I think guys were even there, uh, you know, sliding around, blocking shots, clearing pucks out. So I think it was, uh, you know, nice to get, obviously, as a goalie. But I think it's, uh, again, a team effort to get something like that. I want to ask you about you, Jackson. You've been around for a few years now. You've played at Sheffield, you've played at Belfast, now you're at Panthers, obviously, or you, you were up, up, up to the, the Elite Series. How do you feel your games come on in recent years as you know, as things like the World Championships come up and you've got, again, another chance to, to uh, sort of impress in the, in the bigger stage? Uh, it feels pretty good, to be honest. I think um, I was actually thinking about it the other day and kind of talking about it with the goalie coach, and I know... Obviously, kind of my time in the UK, really getting to start uh, for two years, you know, when I was 22 and 23, 
and then not necessarily getting to play a ton of games when I was 24. And then I think I've been getting a little bit more mature. I mean, for goalies, I think, uh, you know, your kind of peak time is kind of between 29 and kind of 32, they say. So I think uh, as every year goes on, I kind of get a little bit more mature, get a little bit more experience. And I think it's just only going to help uh, moving forward. And of course, you'll get your dad, who's a bit of an influence. Dave, of course, a, a former player and, and, and coach as well. How much of an influence does, does he have on, on, on what, what he says about your game? Is he, is he a big critic or is he generally quite supportive of what you do? No, uh, he's just supportive. Big Dave doesn't know. Uh, he doesn't chime in a whole lot as far as goaltending goes. I know he uh, he didn't know a whole lot about it. So he, he's good, though. He supports me and talks to me. And, uh, you know, we'll talk after games and things like that and kind of joke about it. Uh, but that's about it, really. To take us into the locker room on Sunday night, then you, you've done the, the game, you've won it, you've won the trophy. What was the celebrations like? Uh, it was great. It was it was different, obviously, not having, uh, you know, any fans there to kind of celebrate with. You definitely miss it. You know what I mean? Um, but I mean, you'd rather, I guess, if you get the chance to play with no fans, you would take it over playing with it um, if you couldn't have them in. But I think, uh, you know, for ourselves, it was just kind of funny. You know, we just celebrated together as a team. Uh, celebrated on the ice and then went into the locker room and celebrated together. I think uh, it was a lot of work. I was thinking back about it today. I mean, you played, I think it was 16 games and pretty much, you know, just over a month. So it's a lot of kind of, it was a bit of a grind. And I think, uh, you know, guys really benefited from that and uh, enjoyed it. Was anyone a bit worse for Will Jackson? Come on, you can tell me. Was anyone yeah. celebrating too I, much as I, this I day? don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm trying to think of some guys. I think we were all uh, enjoying it uh, pretty good. So let's go with that. <laughs> And of course, it has been so intense, the fact that you've all come together, you've all done this tournament and everything else. Which, which uh, skaters kind of stood out for you through the tournament from your own team? I mean, um, certainly there's a couple that spring to mind from my point of view, but you watching them and seeing them at close quarters, who stuck out for you? Uh, I thought Kanj played really well and had a good tournament. I thought uh, Bovin had a good tournament. I thought um, there was a lot of guys. I think, you know, the, a lot of the British guys really stepped up, I think, and played well and really kind of proved a point that there should be more Brits in the league on a full-time basis. I think uh, Ellis played really well for us. And then the guys, you know, the guys that have been around and nodding and led the way as well with, you know, Ollie, Lacko, Pearls, Matheson. Um, so I thought everybody kind of stepped up and played well. So now attention turns to the World Championships. As we speak to you, you're enjoying a couple of down days before you head to, to Coventry and meet up with the, the rest of the squad. How excited are you that the Worlds are basically back? We had a year off last year, but the trip to Latvia is coming. No, it's good. I mean, I feel uh, confident, ready to go and ready to go playing it. Obviously, it's uh, you know a little bit of an interesting tournament. You're playing against some of the best players in the world, so you really need to prepare and be ready to go. We're going to start. We fly out uh, tomorrow back into Coventry. Guys will meet there. We're going to train for three days. We'll get a couple of days off for the weekend, and then it's kind of full throttle right till uh, June 2nd again. So we'll spend a lot of time together. We'll probably be on the ice twice a day sort of thing, preparing and getting ready. And uh, for us personally, we get to work. I know you and King, the goalie coach, is coming out as well. Um, so he's going to be working with us the whole time as well too. So if, you, if you, Pete Russell as, as says, sits you and Bouncy down and says, right, boys, I need to pick a starter for the game against Russia. How would you sell yourself? How would you convince Pete that you were the man to start against Russia, given how well you've done in the Elite Series? Yeah, I mean, it's not really, to be honest, if, if it's that kind of situation, you don't really say it. You have no say in it, really, to be honest. You just do your best in practice to prove that you're uh, playing well and in a position ready to go. I'm sure he's been watching, uh, you know, some of the games over the last uh, month and a bit. So I think that really... Um, 
more or less your play kind of does the talking as a goal. You don't really go in there and try to convince him. You just, you know, you do that on the ice and then uh, whatever decision he makes, you get ready for and uh, then get ready for the next game after that. And of course, it's been a strange season like no other because of the coronavirus pandemic, not having the championships last year, not having a season um, for a large part of it. But the good thing is GB go in, there's no relegation threat this year, which is a good thing as well. So can that take the pressure off a little bit going into a tournament like that? Uh, I mean, I guess. I mean, I think in going into this kind of tournament, you're really going in there, you know, you're, you kind of know going in what's not necessarily going to happen, but you're just going in there to try your best, really. And that's all you can really do. Uh, every game is going to be a grind and you're just going to go in there and battle and work as hard as you can and kind of go from there. Obviously, for ourselves, looking forward, you want to stay in that top division as long as possible. Um, you're playing against, again, like the better players. It makes you a better player playing against those guys. So to be able to get that for two more years essentially is huge, I think. Excellent, Jackson. Thank you so much for your time. We wish you the best of luck with the World Championships. Hopefully you'll get a couple of appearances on the on the uh, the record as well. But thank you for your time and well done again on the Elite Series success. Awesome, perfect. Thank you very much for having me on. Jackson Whistle of Nottingham Panthers, an Elite Series winner. My final guest sadly wasn't a winner, but did impress with some solid displays for his team in the competition and even came up with one of the goals of the competition, a majestic coast-to-coast goal against the Manchester Storm. Good news for him is he's off to Latvia too and here to look back on his 2021, which included a spell in the Spring Cup with Telford Tigers, is Coventry D-man David Clements. David Clements, thanks for joining us on the BIHO from the Coventry Blaze, of course. Well, that five weeks is over. What did you make of it all? Oh, it was uh, it was a long five weeks, but um, it was great to be back on the ice again. It was a lot of hockey, uh, but really good to be with Coventry again. Um, again, a lot of hockey, um, but it's put me in good stead, ready for ready for GB. But met some great people, some great players, and uh, was really happy to be playing a lot of hockey again. Yep, a lot of hockey indeed. And there was a lot of hockey between, you know, we'll touch on your, your experience with Telford in the Spring Cup as well, but the Elite Series itself, I think it was something like 14 games you played in the, the space of five weeks. How did the body hold up and all that? Yeah, do you know what? It was um, it was a lot tougher than expected. Uh, we I, I did go in with the mindset that it was going to be tough. Um, you know, a lot of practices, a lot of games. We were on the ice pretty much every day. Um, but we had a great physio team. Uh, with GB physio Nikki Sherlock and her team at the clinic that she has um, and they were staying over at the hotel helping us out when we needed uh, a lot of recovery going on but um, all in all bodies held up fine and uh, it was a good experience so as I say you played for Telford Tigers in the the spring cup prior to to the elite series so you'd had seven weeks before that of of games two maybe three a week depending on the, the, the schedule as well so how ready were you to go into the elite series um well, do you know, first and foremost, uh, obviously that opportunity from Tommy Watkins was an absolute lifesaver because I think without it, um, I think the Elite Series could have been very different for me. But um, I'm really glad that he, he made the phone call to me and it was a, a great six weeks with Telford. He runs a really good tight ship uh, up there in Telford and they have a great team, a great group who welcomed me and, you know, the likes of Ross and the other guys in with open arms. So. Um, really good first-class organisation there and really thankful for that. But um, again, without without that six weeks, um, I don't think that I would have been as ready as I was for the Elite Series. It put me in um, 
good stead for it. Obviously, some bad habits, maybe trying to make a few too many moves, and I, I should, but I think those got put to bed quickly with Stewie on my case. So um, once those bad habits were out of the way, it was, um, you know, the legs felt good and everything, and everything just kind of came together. So uh, really good. Danny Stewart, a shrinking vial like that, giving you a hard time? I can't really see it. So what are your reflections on the tournament as a whole then? Obviously, Coventry lost out in the semi-final stage, but I think a lot of positives to take from, from certainly from what I've seen anyway. Yeah, definitely. Well, the tournament as a whole was um, was amazing. I think everybody from the Elite League um, who put this you know event together did an amazing job. It was so you know COVID-secure. Um, the testing every day, the the hotels, the meals, everything was, you know, first class. Um, and then again, the hockey as a whole was, you know, a really good standard and, you know, a bit more, um, a few more Brits than you'd see in the regular season. But um, I think the standard was, you know, just as good. Um, some great imports that flew over and made it a, a very competitive tournament. Um, you know, and like you said, unfortunately, we lost out in the semi-final to eventually the winners in Nottingham, who I think we had the better of them throughout, you know, the group stages and the round robin, if you like, but uh, semi-final, something just clicked with that team. And um, I think they were deserved to go on and win the whole thing. But as a whole, I think the tournament was really well done for everyone involved. What struck me was the performances, particularly the partnership between Tristan Keck and uh, Mike Hammond as, as well, I mean, phenomenal on their day as well. What was it like to play alongside those those two guys when they're on fire? Yeah, definitely. Well, um, you know, Hammond, he is someone that I've played against, um, you know, for a year or two when he was in Manchester. Um, and, you know, I know how dangerous that guy can be on the park. He's, he has, uh, you know, amazing vision, amazing hands, and he can make plays out of nothing. Um, so to be on the right side of those and him giving me some of those passes was nice for a change and not having to scramble to defend them. But uh, no, he's an amazing player. And then Keck, obviously, coming first year pro um, straight out of college, he, he he impressed everybody, I think, at the entire tournament. So he, he he's as quick as anybody I've seen in a long time and he can put the puck in the back of the net too. So if you can skate like that and shoot like that, I think you're going to be dangerous. And you got a guy like Hammond passing you the puck. Um, you're going to get a lot of points. So uh, it was really good to play with both of those guys. And of course, I want to ask you about one moment in particular, your coast-to-coast -coast goal against Manchester Storm. I can't remember if it was Ed or Stu on, on comms that they, they, they sort of prefixed it with, are you kidding me? They couldn't believe just how good it was. Talk us through that goal. It was it was quite something to watch. Yeah, that, well, um, you know, growing up as a kid, it's something that I, I was able to do. Um back when I was 12, 13 years old. But, uh, you know, on our power play, we we run a drop breakout. Um, so I think, yeah, to credit to the Manchester guys that were on the ice, I think they were expecting me to get to their blue line and maybe look for a pass. And the seas kind of parted up. So it was a, a little bit bad defended on their part, which I'm sure, you know, uh, Ryan Finity won't be, wouldn't have been too happy about. But the seas kind of parted for me and I saw an opening and um, just kind of blacked out from that point on. But... Uh, was very happy for it to be the game-winning goal and see it's going the back of the net and um, us win from that point. So something that I don't know how many more chances I'll get to do something like that, but I definitely enjoyed it. So <laughs> I bet you did. And that's the thing, in a situation like that, you've got the, the puck in your possession. It's, it's like when you watch football as well, you see a player going on a, a mazy dribble. And I often wonder how much of it is instinct or do you get time to think in a situation like that? What is it like? 
it's just split second um you know majority of it is instinct because like i said um normally on that breakout which i've done all tournament yeah you know my job is to get it up and turn around and make a pass to one of our guys you know coming quick through the neutral zone so um i just saw that you know split second of a, a gap open up which i thought you know i've got enough speed to try and get through there so a little bit of instinct and if it went the other way and they took the puck off me and shot the puck down the other end of the ice I think it could have been a different story for that game so uh 50-50 not sure again how many times I'll try and do that um when I get the chance but again um really happy that I got to score that um goal and it was special for me so you mentioned about the, the British players being involved in the competition we've seen more British players get ice time than we've seen than we would in a, in a regular season. So is this a pathway for more Brits, do you think, getting more ice time and roster slots going forward as we hopefully look at what's going to be a regular season ahead? 100%. I mean, you know, I, I completely understand from a fan's point of view that they want they want to see an entertaining uh, product on the ice with um, more imports do that. And, you know, they want to pay for what they watch. But at the same time... Um, you know, me being a Brit myself, it's never been easy to to find, you know, a solid roster spot where you get the the opportunity to play. And um, in my opinion, I thought the Elite Series was entertaining enough with the level of imports we had and the Brits we had. So, you know, why change it? Um, but, it, you know, I'm glad I'm not in charge of those decisions. But it is what it is. I think the Brits that, you know, the young Brits and even the guys from the lower leagues that came up and played proved that, you know, um, this is a tough level for them and they need a bit more, you know, practice and coaching to, to play at this level. But I think with that practice and that coach and a bit of experience, I don't see why they couldn't. And, um, you know, if we have the standard of hockey in a regular season like we did in the Elite Series, I think it'd be fun for everybody. So, um, going forward, if, if more Brits can get an opportunity, I think you know, that would be that would be a great path for everybody. So, And this is where you're ideal because you came in six years ago uh, to, to, to Coventry. You went away, you played in North America for a while after starting in Coventry's junior system, come back. You, you've held a place down in the Blaze team for the last few years as well. So it shows that, you know, you, you keep working hard, you keep doing the right things, you, you'll get yourself nailed down. And that's exactly what's happened with you, culminating in this GB call-up as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's... Um... It's not been an easy six years either. I mean, you know, people can look from the outside and say the guy's from Coventry. It's an easy, it's an easy place for him to play. But it's you know, any any Brit that's good enough can can take my spot at any time. I'm the only British defenseman on our team and have been for six years. So my spot's not always there. Um, but you know, I've been very fortunate to play in Coventry in my hometown for this long and kind of um, get that experience under my belt and. Um, gained some confidence and knowledge throughout the years and uh, very happy with where I am now. Obviously, had a, I think I had a, you know, a very good elite series and um, put me in good stead to get my first call up. So I'm very happy with where I am now. And you also got more goals in the short spell than you have, I think, in a, in a normal regular season. I was looking at your, your elite prospects page. They're one, maybe two a season compared to three and 14. Bit of a run, yeah. though. <laughs> yeah definitely I mean it's uh it's again something uh, when I was younger I used to do a plenty more of uh but um you know this this year during uh Covid's been obviously tough but 
just time to kind of reflect and work on myself a little bit more. Um, and obviously the, um, the streaming series in November with Milton Keynes and then playing some power play and more opportunities with Telford and uh, with Tommy. Um, it gave me all the confidence, you know, to, to bring that fun back and, you know, know that I can make those plays and stuff like that. So, and all credit to, to Danny and uh, Kino at Coventry for putting in that faith in me during the Elite Series, you know, being a leader and on the power play units, playing special teams and logging, you know, over 25 minutes of ice time a game. Um, it just gave me more confidence to do what I know I know I can do. Um, so, yeah, really happy with the goals and the offensive productivity that I was able to produce and help my teammates, uh, um, you know, win some games. But, um, yeah, uh, hopefully that's something that I can continue to do in a, in a regular season next year. And as we said, you've uh, been rewarded with a, a call-up to the, the GB national team for the World Championships. How did you first find out? What was your reaction when you did find out? <laughs> well... Um, Stewie's already said it on, on a Zoom call, so I think I'm allowed to say it, but, um, you know, Stewie pulled it over me, uh, Ross, um, Luke Ferrara and Jordan Headley before practice one morning. And he said that, you know, you guys have made it. Um, I think he wanted to tell us because, you know, he's been with us for a bit of a journey, m myself and Ross for five years and, um, Heads and Luke for, for three years. So I think he's, he's wanted to you know tell us which I understand but I was over the moon obviously it's been a you know I've been pushing um for that spot for for a while now um and again it's just something that I've, I've dreamt about especially them going into the top the top level um last year or the year before sorry um it's just you know you want to play against the best players in the world it's something that you dream of so I'm really honored and proud and thankful for Pete, Corey and, you know, Adam Keith for giving me the opportunity and I'm really excited to get to get going uh, in, in camp and see what that kind of hockey is in Latvia. And of course, you, you've played for Pete before. You, you played under him at Milton Keynes Lightning for a spell. So you know straight away the kind of coach he is. How good is he to work for? No, definitely. It was a short spell in MK and, um, you know, he, to play to play at that level of hockey, um, coming from where I was, this, the systems he had in place, you know, the expectations, he, you know, he has very high expectations, even in, you know, um, the NIHL, which was, uh, which was great to see, um, you know, he's tactically and system wise, um, he was as good as anybody that I had had at that time. So um, I was quite inexperienced, uh, you know, um, didn't really get the systems kind of things, you know, North America, where especially in America, it was a, it was a little bit different. But um, obviously what he's done with, with GB and the spell that he's been there has been amazing. Um, from Belfast to Budapest to, to Slovakia, it's um, you can't knock the guy from, from what he's been able to produce. Um, so again, really excited to work for him again. Hopefully he can see a different side to me and... Uh, uh, everything goes well. I've got to ask you, and I love asking this question, especially of guys like yourself who, who weren't involved in in the previous trip. I'm assuming you watched the last World Championships in Slovakia, that France game when Ben Davis scored the overtime winner. Where were you, and how did you celebrate? <laughs> I was at home actually. Um, I, you, no, actually, sorry, I was at Ross Venus's house in the summer. 
uh, us two were watching it on TV and me and V obviously both played with Ben Davies. So uh, to see him score that goal, we were so happy for him. But just, you know, I, I goosebumps watching that. I mean, um, and it was almost like a motivation to say, right, they're in the division again. Let's go. It could be us next year. You know, you see them playing against guys like Patrick Kane and all these other amazing players. You're like, I want to be there. So it was uh, it was an amazing thing what they were able to do in that French game. And uh, again, had goosebumps watching it. And it was great motivation for me to say that's where I want to be. And that's what, you know, I want to be playing in those big games and with all those people watching. Um against the best players in the world. So I'm really excited to, to get to Latvia and see what it's all about. Excellent. So there we go. You've got an exclusive. Ben Davis motivated you. Excellent. That's good to hear. <laughs> I'd be pleased to hear that. David, oh, thank you so much for joining us on the BIH show. It's great to have you on board. Great that you're going to be involved with GB. Wish you the very best of luck for that. And have a great summer. Oh, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Well, that's your lot for this week on the BIH Show. My thanks to my guests this week, Luke Fisher, Jackson Whistle and David Clements. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Latest news and information can be found on britishicehockey.co.uk and this is also available in an audio format, so subscribe and download from your audio provider. The Elite Series may be done, but the BIH Show will keep on going as we head into the summer months, so keep watching and listening as we turn our attention to the World Championships. Have a great week, whatever you get up to, and I'll be back soon with another edition of the BIH Show. Take care. Bye for now. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.